It's time for the July 21, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Take a Monkey to Lunch Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always... The hidden secret of the dark universe, Mahler, the fake news dog. Hello, Mahler. Mahler. Come on, man. Come on. What is come it, boy? On. We, come on. Yeah. We, we went over this in rehearsal. Yeah. Come on. Uh, come on. He's, he's been distracted these days. Yeah. Today, we'll be talking about damn fools, hot oceans, algal Greenland, repulsive taste, dark stars, union beer, and so much more. But first... What's your favorite dinosaur movie, Mike? I don't. Uh, I don't know if you have one. No, you know, I don't. You'd say I don't have. I one. don't have one. There was a, when I was a kid. What was it? It was like like a claymation dinosaur TV show. Yeah, it was like a Gumby. That was some show that you can't remember the name. Remember. You don't like Jurassic Park. I don't think 100 million years BC or whatever that was called yeah. had any dinosaurs. 100 yet. million BC. Yeah, whatever it is. I don't know how long ago it was. All I know is that Raquel Welsh was in it. Yeah, and she was wearing she, she some was, mammal she was, gear. She was her. rocking the, uh, the the deer skin or whatever that was. Well, it was yeah. furry. It was furry. So there was some mammal that she got. Now, do you have a favorite dinosaur film? Do I have a favorite dinosaur film? Fantasia for the segment. When they played Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Oh, okay. And the uh, Stegosaurus and the T-Rex faced off. Hmm. I, I like dinosaurs a lot. Do you? I, I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was younger. Oh, okay. But who didn't? From the journal Scientific Reports, scientists have identified a fossil of an herbivorous dinosaur, Cetacosaurus, being bitten by a mammal, Repanomamus. We've always had this picture of mammals as literal underdogs. They're being trampled. They're cowering in the darkness at night, just trying to avoid being eaten. Mammals getting their asses kicked by dinosaurs. That's the stereotype. Yeah. You know? Oh. Says Elsa Panasaroli, a paleontologist at the Oxford University Museum of Natural History. But a remarkable new fossil. Originating in the early Cretaceous, some 125 million years ago, consists of two intertwined skeletons, a mammal sinking its teeth into a much larger dinosaur. Hmm. The mammal apparently is in the middle of attacking the dinosaur. If true, the fossil unearthed in modern-day northeast China suggests a more complex ancient food web where certain dinosaurs were prey and some mammals were predators. Hmm. Okay. That's exciting for me. Yeah. Would that explain why they made it through that era and the dinosaur did not? Well, you'll have to talk to Elsa about yeah. that. I'm just wondering. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't I'm not yeah, I yeah. theoretically I mean anything could happen. Yeah. I think what happened is Jesus rode a dinosaur oh. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And one of the canines, the prehistoric canines. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, sacred, right. yeah the sacred canine. Yeah, yeah. bit the dinosaur's uh, leg. Jesus fell off okay. and that's, forgave. Yeah, and that's how, that's how Easter happened. Yeah. Do I look fat in this dress? Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but it looks like you might have, you know, stay away from the Cheetos. 
I don't, I don't like Cheetos. No. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not even a big fan of cheese. I don't know what's happened to me. I don't know. I'm just putting on weight. Yeah, it happens. And I'm thinking about taking this Ozempic and Wigovi. Have you heard of them? It, it sounds vaguely familiar, like it's a, one of those tunes that you can't get out of your head. Weight loss diets? Yeah, I'm sure. sure. Ozempic and Wegovy, medications that are used for weight loss in human beings, mm-hmm. were both first tested on monkey species listed as endangered. Oh, my God. Yeah. What's up with that? You think you could figure out something else to test them on? <laughs> Say, for example, you know... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mahler, you. Well, well, he. The thing with Mahler is, he he has a lot of water weight. That's what he tells me. You know, water he, weight. He looks like he's a little bigger now. Hmm. He says it's water weight. The two drugs, Ozempic and Wegovy, are among the highest profile products that relied on long-tailed macaques. It's also called the crab-eating macaque. In case you're wondering. Oof. Long-tailed or crab-eating that lives in Southeast Asia. Adding injury to insult, the endangered species listing was due in part to the animal's use in biomedical research. Oh, my God. This is your uh, crab-eating long-tailed macaque. It is the top primate imported into the United States. In 2022 alone, the U.S. imported almost 32,000 crab-eating long-tailed macaques. More than half of these two-foot-tall monkeys came from Cambodia. Criminal allegations from the U.S. government revealed in an unsealed indictment last year charged that thousands of supposedly lab-bred crab-eating long-tailed macaques were plucked from the wild and passed off as animals bred in captivity. Nova Nordisk, that's a uh, pharmaceutical firm Mm -hmm. of both Ozempic and Wigovi, said it relies on external contract research organizations to supply the monkeys. Mm -hmm. So they don't go out and do it themselves. According to Novo Nordisk, its monkeys didn't come from Cambodia, so not to worry about, you know, the foul play, but from Vietnam and Mauritius. That's eastern uh, Africa, off the coast of uh, Madagascar. I'm not a geography major, but isn't Vietnam right next to Cambodia? Exactly. Yeah. It's right next, I mean, literally. But but, but the point was that these were... uh, Yeah. In Cambodia, not being checked out, and, and they yeah. were the, the, that's where the trade is. But you're right; they yeah. sh- they put them in a bus and sent them over to Vietnam. It's a pretty porous border, if I yeah. recall. And Nova Nordisk declined to comment on which contract research organization it used. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit hinky to me. Yeah. Anyway, wow. monkeys, monkeys. Yeah. By the way, those drugs that you, one of them, I recognize the name because I Ozempic. kind of, Ozempic, because I kind of remember the the, the tune, the the, the uh, little jingle that they use in their commercials. Uh-huh. It, but it's not as bad. Would I'm not like going to, gonna, no, I'm not going to, no, Ozempic. no. The one that gets me, this is, I, and I, don't, I, sh- I hesitate to even say it out loud, but there's one, and I don't even know what the drug is, but it, the, the slogan is, it's your pick, Ozempic. <laughs> now, this one is, nothing is everything. It's very Orwellian. So if you, what they're saying is if you, if you don't have scabies or whatever this thing <laughs> is, then, then it's everything. Yeah. Is that so, what they're yeah, saying? Yeah, I think, yeah. That, I think the, the, the tie-in is Lack of if disease. you don't see it, yeah, yeah. that's everything. That, yeah. that your whole world has now changed. You're upside yeah. down now yeah. because I get it. Yeah, nothing is everything. All right.
If you feel as ravenous as a mammal devouring a dinosaur, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to win the battle? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Yes, Molly. From the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Researchers at North Carolina State University used a CRISPR gene editing system to breed poplar trees, poplar trees, Mm -hmm. with reduced levels of lignin, the major barrier to sustainable production of wood fibers, while improving the poplar trees' wood properties. The findings hold promise to make fiber production for everything from paper to diapers greener and less expensive. Great. That's a good thing. Yeah. Just a little bit of positive stuff. Here. Yeah, that's good. Uh, there's so much negative. The thing. brighter side. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we're going to venture into some negative territory. Oh, no, now. no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, it happens. Oh, okay. It happens. But I, I want folks at home to get ready. Oh. And, and remember, it's only the news. From The Guardian. James Hansen, whose testimony to the U.S. Senate in 1988 was the first high-profile revelation of global heating, said the record heat waves that have roiled the U.S., Europe, China, and just about everywhere else in the world in recent weeks have heightened a sense of disappointment that we scientists did not communicate more clearly, that we did not elect leaders capable of more intelligent response. It means we are damn fools. Yeah. said James Hansen. He said of humanity's ponderous response to the climate crisis, we have to taste it to believe it. Yeah, We're damn fools. If somebody warns us that the uh, yeah. oven's hot. We do. We are yeah. human in that regard. However, drink up, Shriners, because you are going to get more than you want. The Shriners? I don't know. Just, what is that about? Is, I don't know. This is saying. I remember when Hansen testified before Congress. In 1988? In 1988. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, this was still 10 to 12 years after the oil companies knew that the amount of carbon they were putting into the air by virtue of their production and the use of, of fossil fuel was going to cause what we're going through right now. So we're going back to 1975, 76. Uh-huh. They knew. They had the scientific data that Hansen was basically talking about. Yeah. So it goes further back. I like the way Hansen, and I feel this way too. Part of this is saying we did not communicate more clearly. And I think what he's saying is we did not communicate in a way that allowed people to have a golden bridge to come over to our side. Mm. You mean we, we were lecturing the others, the people who weren't? Listening to yeah, I think there was a sense of us and them going on instead of something that was trying to be, for lack of a better word, inclusive. Mm. (laughs) From CNN, hot oceans. A sudden marine heat wave off the coast of Florida has surprised scientists and sent water temperatures soaring to unprecedented highs, threatening to be one of the most severe coral bleaching events the state has seen. The exceptional temperatures, close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That's in the ocean. That's That's not on the beach. That's the water temperature. 100 degrees Fahrenheit in some areas are the highest levels on record since satellites begin collecting ocean data. 
and the warming is happening much earlier than normal. Yet another example of ocean heat being amplified by the human-caused climate crisis and the extreme weather it brings. Ocean temperatures around Florida usually get hotter as the summer progresses and don't reach their peak until late August into September. That would mean significant and severe bleaching will start next week, and the coral could start to die altogether within a month. You know, when I heard that number the first time, I thought I misheard what I what I heard. When they yeah. said 100, I thought... No, they're talking about land. They they exactly. made a mistake. They're talking about what was going on. It couldn't on. possibly be 97. That's a hot tub temperature. Yeah. So uh, guess what? I was wrong. Uh, wow. wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is truly mind-boggling. 100-degree ocean temperature. Besides the fact that it's mind-boggling, it sets into motion a lot of things. Yeah. That's, that's the part. What's that's, obviously that's death to the coral, Yeah. but death to a lot of things. Fishes moving out of the area, uh, economies collapsing that were based on those fishes. What's the impact on seaweed, on plankton, yeah. on the things that the fish eat yeah. to stay alive? From the Washington Post, for nearly a decade, the state of Arizona has leased property in the rural terrain west of Phoenix to a Saudi-owned company, allowing it to pump all the water it needs to grow alfalfa hay, a crop Saudi Arabia exports to feed the kingdom's dairy cows. And for years, Arizona didn't know how much water the company was even consuming. They just let it go. Soon after the company Fundamente, Arizona arrived in Butler Valley in 2015, that's where all this was going on, state planners suggested asking the company to install meters and report its water use. But the proposal hit a stone wall. It was spurned by officials in the administration of then-Governor Doug Ducey, who's a Republican there, uh, who were cautious of tangling with a powerful company. Well, that's exactly what government is supposed to do. Exactly. It's supposed to tangle with—it's supposed to represent us. And if that company is doing something that is questionable, then government should at least step in and ask some questions. But I guess not the Republicans. The monitoring of water in a drought-plagued state proposal ran headlong into the ignorant belief that holds that water is private property rather than a public resource. That is wrong. Meanwhile, leaving Arizona's water unprotected amid a drought worsened by climate change has been a boon to Saudi Arabia, where industrial-scale farming of forage crops like alfalfa is banned Hmm. to conserve Saudi Arabia's limited water supply. So it's okay for them to come over here and play the Republicans for fools in a state and suck the water completely out of a certain area. But Saudi Arabia, they've banned that sort of thing. I would take issue with the word fools just because I am pretty darn certain. Because you're a fool? Because I know I know a fool. Okay. Let me trust me. I, I look in the mirror every morning and I, I see one. But the idea that they didn't want to know is more likely because they knew they were taking a lot of water out. I, I look, I've been around public works people for a long time, and I know how they know stuff. And well, they you're knew, saying the Republicans knew what was going on. I think they knew what, what yeah. was going on. I don't, maybe they didn't know quite the amount, but they knew that a significant amount of water was being taken out of there. Well, I want to know what the, what the kickback is. Yeah, exactly. Something like that doesn't happen without exactly somebody right. profiting from it. Exactly. It might not be... Financially, it might be backing. It might yeah. be in yeah. 
but it generally with Republicans, it's yeah, fine. It's generally, financially. yeah, they're they're pretty consistent about that kind of thing. <laughs> from the journal Science, new analysis of soil samples from Greenland reveal that Greenland once lost a whole lot of ice under climate conditions, very much like humans created and are currently living in. So they did some historical research. Mm-hmm. How far back did they go? Lots of years. The soil analysis forecast coastlines like the kind we have here in Southern California. I believe it was 400,000 years. Yeah. Uh, submerged under several feet of melted ice, or as we like to call it, water. <laughs> if the Greenland ice sheet could melt substantially in the past, it's going to change our projections for the future, said Andrew Christ, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Vermont. It could have a financial cost as well as a massive humanitarian cost. In other words, a lot of people are going to be either disrupted or killed. Mm-hmm. The carbon dioxide released by people burning fuel and destroying natural ecosystems will linger in the atmosphere for thousands of years. And without a drastic shift in the way we live, humanity is on track to push global average temperatures to 3 degrees Celsius or 5.4 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a lot for an average. I mean, that's huge. That is. Above pre-industrial levels by the end of the century. Yeah. That is well above the highest temperatures reached during Greenland's earlier meltdown. God. So it's much worse than that meltdown. Study co-author Paul Behrman, a geologist at the University of Vermont, called the implications frightening. A 5 to 18 feet of sea level rise. Wow. Wow. Doesn't it feel like the door closed behind us a little bit on this this last couple this last couple of years? Doesn't it feel like we're well? I like to think that we have our toe in the door. Yeah, I'd like and to think that. We're trying too. real hard to yeah. push through, and if we all pull together, we can do it. Yeah, we just just need to overcome some unfortunate circumstances with some uh, ignorant politicians who are playing off people's but I kind of weaknesses. Yeah. yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. So what we're having there is an algal Greenland pretty soon, it sounds like. And all the implications from that. And this is something I know you've mentioned, I've talked about a, a, for a long time now, is the uh, the currents in the ocean. And when you yeah. start introducing a lot more fresh water into the oceans, a lot of temperature changes, these these currents, which are what their conveyor systems for the world and and they the have of heat and cold and yeah they tr- tremendous impact on weather <laughs> and on on uh the arable of the land in other words can you grow crops there or not and those things are starting to slow down and that is the most for me i've been saying this for a long time the most frightening thing is is that'll really change the way the world even operates from the New York Times, an editorial by our good friend Paul Krugman. You remember him, right? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. He was on the show, friend of the program. Yeah. 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 What a guy. Yeah. He was a little bit cranky. He remember was a little that? cranky that day. Because we called him a little bit late. Yeah. 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 And, and he, he made mention of it he did. <laughs> when I introduced he did. him. I think I apologized. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. moved we were, on. What do you do? You we're know? always very polite. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he And he was at that time pretty hot, I think. He had to drive back home. He was on his way <laughs> oh, to work. Oh, that's right. He left the house. Yeah, yeah. Thinking we weren't going to call. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, Paul Krugman. That's our reputation with the New York Times. I think he, he, I don't know if he'd won the Nobel Prize at that point or whatever, but yeah, he was a pretty hot guy at the time. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, sorry. 
After officially beginning his presidential campaign, Ron DeSantis was asked about climate change. He brushed the issue aside. I've always rejected the politicization of the weather. Yeah, right. But we absolutely should politicize the weather. That's what Krugman says, and that's what I think any forward-thinking individual should think right now. We're living in a time of accelerating climate-related disasters and the environmental extremism of the Republican Party, which is more hostile to climate action than any other major political party in the advanced world. Would, um, in a more rational political debate, be the biggest election issue of all? The environment and the climate. We are only halfway through 2023, yet we've already seen multiple weather events that would have been shocking not long ago. If Republicans win control of the White House and Congress next year, they will try to dismantle the green energy subsidies enacted by the Biden administration. Subsidies, experts believe, will lead to a major reduction in emissions. That's a good thing. But the Republicans will withdraw them and will not have our toe in the door anymore. Like it or not, then, the weather is a political issue, and Americans should be aware that it's one of the most important issues they'll be voting on next November. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. The upcoming election in 2024, do you think that the environment— Oh, it's speculating again. Well, I know you don't like to do this, but you just said it. You just brought it up. Do you think that this will move the needle for people voting? In other words, the environment. If the Democrats are talking about— wildfires and like Hansen said you know we have to taste it yeah I think that this environment will move the needle on on with the way people vote I I would hope so yeah you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine California visit us on the web at KUCI.org on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. From Los Angeles Times, in what is considered to be the nation's first large-scale analysis of PFAS, forever chemicals, In tap water from private wells and public water supplies, researchers estimated that at least 45% of drinking water across the nation contains one or more of a vast group of manufactured chemicals that are drawing increasing scrutiny for their health risks, as well as their widespread prevalence in food, water, soil, air, and work environments. Study authors also concluded that drinking water exposures may be more common in Southern and Central California, as well as the Great Plains, Great Lakes, and Eastern Seaboard regions. Forever chemicals. That is such a a chilling description. Well, let me read in this next story. It's the the people at risk. It's it's children and pregnant women and... The vulnerable. Yeah, people with health conditions. And they don't need to be radical health conditions. They might not even be known to them. This uh, uh, immune system that's not up to par can suffer from this. It might be your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or your best friend. It's it's not. These people are are, are not isolated from you. No. Where I first heard about Forever Chemicals, the first time I was aware of them, was through the nonstick pants. Uh Nonstick, yeah. Utensils and things like that. That was a big thing. They could coat it with this stuff. Kitchenware. Kitchenware. There you go. 
And that's one. And so I'm thinking to myself, when, when we talked about it many years ago, I'm thinking, holy crap, there's something that people use all the time and assume that they can just scrape those eggs out and that cheese omelet and it's, that doesn't stick to the thing. And this is a miracle. This yeah. is kind of the, the idea that we have been lab rats in this gigantic science experiment for the last 30, 40 years where people assumed, well, it's science. They must know what they're doing. They must know what they're talking about. And really, they hadn't done this research. They really hadn't done the studies. But it was cool because you could scrape out a pan of brownies without having to clean it. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, it's kind of madness, really. This is from a Reuters news service here. I got another story yeah. about water. Yeah. From Reuters news service. More than half of Uruguay's 3.5 million citizens are without access to tap water fit for drinking. 3.5 million citizens and experts say the situation could continue for months. Some had predicted the crisis years ago, but were considered catastrophists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Mike and I are. Mm-hmm. Catastrophists. Just kidding. No. Well, to I some don't think we're catastrophists. Well, what they're saying is we're looking. We're not looking for a catastrophe. It's just that when it comes knocking at my door, yeah. I like to tell other people about it because, yeah. well, you know. Yeah. So investment in water conservation was postponed because of that. It's like the real fear is being ignored because you're supposed to be afraid of the messenger. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that could be part of what Hansen was talking about. Exactly. As well. Yeah. yeah. But three consecutive years of drought have almost emptied the reservoir of fresh water to avoid shortages. The state-run supplier, OSE, has been gradually adding brackish water from the Rio de la Plata estuary. So they've emptied the water, and now they're getting water from someplace else. By early May, the mix had reached the maximum levels of sodium and chlorides recommended by the World Health Organization. This is the new water, and now it has doubled those levels. So it's twice as bad as the bad stuff. Brackish. You can't really drink brackish water. <laughs> well, really. they're, you're, they're saying they're trying. authorities. Yeah. yeah, this is the word I like, authorities, in this whole story. <laughs> authorities. <laughs> maintain that the chemicals only affect the taste and smell of the water and do not necessarily pose a risk to most people's health. But some people, like babies, pregnant women, and humans with health conditions, as I said, have been warned against drinking the water. So dad can drink the water, yeah, but his son better watch out. That brackish stuff that smells and tastes horrid, it's repulsive, they say. You know, if there's one function of government besides, I guess, keeping us safe from marauders and bank robbers and stuff like that, the 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 the, the, the next marauders pro- <laughs> and bank robbers. I just got to stop for a minute and think of, <laughs> of all the horrors in the world. So don't own a bank and don't live, you know, in certain cities. But um, but <laughs> but I would think that water would be the number one priority of any government. Yeah. In, literally the number one priority. And you look at Flint, what happened in Flint, and how long, even to this day, they still haven't figured that out. And that Jackson, was it Jackson, Mississippi? Where they're still dealing with undrinkable water. Yeah. They're still bringing in truckfuls of bottled water, which in and of itself <laughs> is like all that plastic and the forever chemicals and all the crap that's in those plastic bottles. Yeah, This should be the one thing that they get right is making sure that people have drinkable water. 
From environmental health news, new peer-reviewed research has identified 25 kinds of toxic flame retardant in human breast milk in the U.S., and all samples contained at least some level of the dangerous chemicals. Yeah. yeah. So, literally, flame retardant coming out of your mother's nipple. <laughs> The compounds are part of the brominated flame retardant class, which are commonly used in plastic televisions, appliances, and electronics. Some <laughs> older versions of the chemicals were removed from the marketplace in the 1970s because they were so toxic, and newer iterations have raised health concerns. Among other issues, many of the compounds are linked to memory impairment, increased impulsivity, I like that one. I mean, maybe that's not so bad. Increased impulsivity. I could use a little of that. Impaired motor skills, decreased attention, and overall lower measures of intelligence in children. Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. Some of the chemicals may also be carcinogenic. Yeah. I take the intelligence in children comment away. Yes. It's but been, still, it's, it's a horrible thing. It's been strange. And we're laughing because it's breast milk. This is what it's come to now. Yeah. Flame retardant in breast milk. Yeah. From the Times of San Diego, this might end our, our horrid section here of the <laughs> news, okay. the horrid news. Yeah. From the Times of San Diego, a three-year-old boy with access to an unsecured handgun accidentally shot and killed his one-year-old sister oh, at their God. Fallbrook home. Oh, my God. In case you're wondering, the child and teen ages 1 through 19 years, firearm mortality rate varies by state in the U.S. from 2.1 deaths per 100,000 in New York and New Jersey to 17.6 deaths per 100,000 in Louisiana. Oh my God. It's usually places like Louisiana have politicians who, tell, who are telling you how dangerous it is in places like New York yeah. and New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, 2.1 deaths per 100,000 in New York and New Jersey, and 17.6 deaths per 100,000 in Louisiana. But in New York and New Jersey, which have the lowest rates, the rate is still over three times that of Canada. Yes. From Trains Magazine, the U.S. House of Representatives released a proposed 60% cut in Amtrak's budget for fiscal 2024 that would effectively force Amtrak to radically reduce or suspend service on various routes across the nation. These are your Republicans now. And all, all this is going to translate in their platform is, is we're cutting government to save you money. Mm -hmm. The legis legislation also calls for substantial reductions in infrastructure programs benefiting passenger rail. In other words, just transportation programs. Public transportation. Rail Passengers Association President Jim Matthews put it this way. The proposed budget does not take the task of governing seriously, ignoring the needs of hundreds of Amtrak-served communities in favor of scoring cheap political points. When the Federal Railroad Association asked for proposals as part of its corridor identification program, there was a massive response from states across the nation, red and blue, north and south, heartland and coastal. We can't afford to gut these exciting new programs before they even started. Amen. Yeah, and it's almost like you get a feeling of this, like Biden likes trains, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're effective means of public transportation. Mm -hmm. So the Republicans hate trains. That's kind of what it boils down to. He likes them. We hate them. 
They'll underfund trains, too, until the rail system looks bad. Yeah. And then they'll blame the government. Yes. And cut the program. Yes. And turn the profits from that program over to their friends. Yeah. That's the Republican platform. They'll sell off the rights to those those motorways or those railways to their buddies, and then, yeah. And, and then, then the buddies they, will charge bucks. Yeah, turn around and And, and not take care of it. Right. As effectively as the government Because did. they know that the government will eventually be the uh, caretaker of last resort in all of those kinds right. of things. Bail them out when yeah. it goes bad. Yep. And I'm not saying the government is perfect by any means. Nope. There's plenty of stuff going on in the government that I'm <laughs> appalled by sometimes. But it's the best thing we got. And it seems to work and come up with great programs sometimes. When it works great, it, it's wonderful. Yeah. That's what we got to strive for, not and, to turn it over to the private the, sector. Yeah, and the idea that all these communities are coming out to the government to say, we want rail. That, that's a significant shift in the mindset of, of the public. Yeah. The, the roadways are so congested in Southern California, and I can't imagine in most of the metropolitan areas of, of the country, to be able to get out from under this just mass, this crush of traffic and get around would be, yeah, why not? Why are we doing this? Here's a quick bit of uh, light from Scientific American. In A first, the James Webb Space Telescope may have glimpsed a rare type of star that astronomers aren't sure even exists. (laughs) (laughs) They believe it's a dark star. Okay. It's not fueled by nuclear fusion, but by the self-annihilation of dark matter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. The invisible stuff that is thought to make up about 85% of the matter of the universe. Okay. The candidate star seen by the James Webb Space Telescope will need more evidence to be confirmed, but if they're real, the finding could change our story about how the first stars were formed. Wow. That is a great story. Wow. Matter. Okay, now not fun again. Okay. That's why to lift you up there for that a was, second. That was a good one. Wait, there's some more good ones coming up. Okay. But this one, well... From the Orange County Register, according to a report released by the Alzheimer's Association, Uh Southern California is a hot zone for the disease. Four local counties reported some of the nation's highest numbers of people diagnosed with with Alzheimer's, and demographic factors suggest a flood of new patients is coming in future decades. Overall, Los Angeles and Orange counties both rank in the nation's top 10 based on the sheer number of people with Alzheimer's and related dementias. Mm. That's to be expected because both counties are also among the nation's top 10 biggest by population. So we have more people, we have more Alzheimer's. But the study also found that the prevalence of Alzheimer's is far higher than the national average in all four counties with Los Angeles County at 13.2%, Orange County at 11.6%, Riverside and San Bernardino counties at 12%. Nationally, about 10.7% of people 65 or older are diagnosed with the disease. Some aging experts said the reports back what they've suspected for some time, that Southern California suffers disproportionately from the health, economic, and social stresses associated with Alzheimer's. So we're kind of a breeding ground, is what they're saying. Though California's total 65-plus population is comparatively smaller than most states, it does include a pronounced number of people 85 years or older. Mm. So that could be a factor. Well, we live that longer. Alone. We live longer. We here. live longer, so there's more cases. Okay. So that's, okay. I guess that's a plus of sorts. Yeah. At least it may not be just our environment, but it's also because we have older people but here. But the, the, the stress, the economic stress here is 
more more than most places in yeah. the country. Right? True, but uh, but does it tie into the yeah. Alzheimer's yeah. rate? Yeah. Where yeah. I, I'm going with the 85 or older, yeah. that, okay. which I put my money there. Yeah. Yeah. Not that this is something I want to go to see a bookie about. Also, two groups, black Americans and Hispanic Americans, tend to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's at higher rates. Mm. So there's that going on here, too. Hispanics account for about 39% of all Californians and are the state's largest ethnic group right now. For now, California ranks first in total number of people diagnosed with Alzheimer's, nearly 720,000, followed by Florida, Texas, New York, and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And this is sad news, but it's not like this next story. I'm going to give you a, a warning when things are coming up okay. here because I know this has been it, a it, downer it's of kind a of news a, report. It's been kind of a triggering news day for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is just, you're just angry in a, in a silly teenage way. Okay. From The Nation, the New York Times is getting rid of its sports department and will instead rely on sports coverage from its website, The Athletic. This announcement came hours after a similar one from the Los Angeles Times that it would be closing its doors to sports coverage as well. They just have these human interest stories now. They don't run the box scores. They don't really cover games anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just telling you if Mookie Betts is uh, happy living in Southern California. Yeah, okay. And what future trades may mean. Anyway, the New York Times will replace its sports coverage with the website The Athletic, okay. which it pur- purchased for $550 million 18 months ago. Now, that's an extra charge onto their paper, though. So you subscribe to the Times, then you get another kick up if you want to actually learn about their sports coverage. The staff at The Athletic is non-union. Oh, that, I think, is the kick. Okay. In a statement to the press, the New York Times Union, the News Guild, said that the sports journalists were informed by the closure of their section, no more sports. The sports journalists there were informed by a news alert on their phone. Oh, my God. It wasn't even a text to them. It was a news alert. They were, they were probably subscribed to the Times news site, and sure. that comes up. And this, oh uh, the God. union, God. the News Guild, called this whole operation a flagrant attempt at union busting. Yeah. And by the way, the irony of that, I don't know if it's irony, but the, the, the flip side of that is unions have never been more popular in this country. Yeah. And more people are organizing in well, all that's, manner uh, of speaking. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt no, you, no, but right. I think that's part of the equation. Yeah. Since they are becoming more yeah. popular, yeah. The, it's making a lot of corporations and bigger non-union companies nervous yeah. about what's going to happen. Yeah. And from the San Francisco Chronicle. Unionized workers at Anchor Brewing Company, the oldest craft brewer in the United States, want to buy the 127-year-old company and run it as a co-op to save it from shutting down, a union official said. The company said last week that economic pressures, including the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, had left it with no option but to make this sad decision and cease operations. But employees who were given 60 days notice and promised severance packages have proposed a way to keep the beer flowing. Pedro de Sa, the business agent at International Longshore and Warehouse Union Local 6, whose members include workers at Anchor, sent the proposal on to Mike Manami, the president of Sapporo USA, which owns Anchor right now. Mm. All we want is a fair shot at being able to continue to do our jobs, make the beer we love, and keep this historic institution open. The letter said, we do not want the brewery and brand we love to be sold off before we even had a chance. There you go. Yep. Good. 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd buy the Union beer. I was just going to say know, that. Yeah, I, I would like too. Anchor just fine. I have Is other it? favorites, but heck, if it was a Union beer... Just call it Anchor Union Beer. I'll buy that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's is that Anchor's theme? Am I am I confusing that with another brand? Anchor's theme. That's Anchor's the, theme beer. That is yeah, what it's it. It's the steam beer. It was a process of steaming. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it's been around for you know over a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. It almost went out of business, I think, in the seventies, and it was bought up then. Mm. It kind of led to the craft beer resurgence. Okay. Not, Surgeons. It's not a research. Okay, it's a surgeons. surgeons in yeah. uh, in the country. You know, there's an active m- movement right now to organize the workers at Trader Joe's. That's a, becoming a big thing, right? Oh. Yeah, it's a real thing. The uh, Food and Commercial Union. Yeah, they're pushing hard to unionize Trader well, Joe's. I think they should. Yeah, I think they should. It's the the one. The one thing, and this, I don't know if this is a mitigating factor in unionizing, but the state of California and other places have stepped up and made the minimum wage fifteen dollars. Yeah. Which has taken some of the pressure off. It's of, not enough, by it's the not, way. Right. It, yeah. You know, it, yeah. You're right. If, if it were commensurate with uh, CEOs' salaries, it would be forty dollars. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not expecting that because yeah. CEOs make way too much, but it, right. it should hit up in the twenties. That's the the living wage. And this was a few hour. years ago. Was like twenty one, twenty two an hour. That would yeah. that would be you could have a house. Yeah. Or you could have an apartment, apartment. and you could have a car. You could have a house yeah, right, at $22 right, right, an right, hour. Right, right, right. I'm sorry. You could have a car. You could have an apartment. And really, to qualify for uh, you know the, the lease on an apartment, you pretty much have to make 30 bucks an hour these days. Okay. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different world out there. It and, really is. And the economy hasn't adjusted to that, and yeah. that accounts for a lot. Yeah. And, and how, do you, how do you resolve that? How do you make things better? Well, you form a union. You organize. That's all you, it's yeah. all you can do. Maybe, And again, these aren't perfect institutions. I agree. People are not perfect. But there has to be some pushback against the greed heads out there who want nothing but to benefit themselves, period. That's the game they play. Yeah. And finally, from the Associated Press, a spectator trying to take a selfie at stage 15 of the Tour de France inadvertently knocked the handlebars of rider Sepp Kuss, setting off a crash that brought down about 20 other cyclists. Following the crash, the official Tour de France Twitter account posted a slow-motion video of Sepp Kuss trying to duck under the self-obsessed spectator's selfie arm and crashing to the ground. In case spectators at the Tour de France didn't already know, the tweet read, Please pay attention to the riders. (laughs) You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at WeeklySignals.com WeeklySignals.com Subscribe now!